Axis Mundi. Axis Mundi. Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi, faculty at the University of San Francisco, joined today by the one and only Dr. Andrew Whitehead. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Hey, good to be with you. So we're a week away from uh, publishing American Idols, a four-part four podcast series on your work. Now that, of course, everybody, is uh, coming right out of your new book, American Idolatry, which is right over my shoulder here. And uh, so your book is out, your podcast is happening, you're a busy man. But here's the thing, this book and this podcast are very personal. Um, you're a sociologist. I like have so many sociologist friends who I love and admire, and they do so much work that I can't do with like math and charts and stuff. <laughs> but my sociologist friends are usually not the ones who are like, let me tell you my story. Hey, here's, mm -hmm. there's me. That's exactly what you're doing here. Why did it feel like this was the time to insert your story into into your work? Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question, and you know, I think some of it kind of came from working on this for the last, you know, academically, like the last decade, right? Starting to write peer reviewed articles around Christian nationalism, and then the first book with Sam Perry, um, "Taking America Back for God," and as we were sharing that work and trying to help bring some sort of a framework to understand what we all were seeing, right? In the lead up to 2016 and then soon after, um, it was really resonating with folks. And now they were like, oh, now, you know, I've, I've seen this all around and I've wondered what it is. And now I can kind of place this framework on it. And it makes sense. Um, and that was really fulfilling. But then the question we would always get and that I would always get is, but what do we do? Like, what do we do now? Like, what do we do about this? And so as social scientists, we literally usually are like, well, that's not my job, right? It's to gather quality data, um, organize it, you know, and go to peer review and then provide, you know, really rigorous examinations of kind of what is. We don't really talk about what should be. But two, I'm like a human being living in a world and in a, you know, a democracy right now. And as I was looking at all this evidence that social science was handing me, whether it's through our work or others, you know, there are a lot of other people working in this area. As an American citizen, I'm like, okay, these are really negative things, right? Christian nationalism is really connected to embracing racism and um, anti-democratic ideals and authoritarianism and all these different things. And I'm like, that that's harmful, right, to a a functioning civil sphere. And then too, I am a, a person of faith still, a, a Christian. And as I'm like looking at different expressions of Christianity and working through this whole journey, um, I'm thinking too, this doesn't seem like what we were taught growing up in these communities of like loving Jesus or loving God or loving people around us. Um, when we are like refusing refugees and immigrants who are also Christians, perhaps like we don't want them here. And so how does this work and how Christian nationalism is related to that too? So as a, as a person, you know, that's a citizen and identifying as religious, you know, I was looking at all this 
And so this book really is kind of the culmination of those two journeys where it's this journey of studying this academically, but then also being an American citizen and being a, a religious person who wants to see, you know, this religion that I identify with engage in the public sphere in a way that isn't trying to marginalize and oppress um, other people. That would be my goal. And so this book really is kind of flowing out of those two journeys. I, one of the things I love when I watch a new TV show or listen to a new podcast is getting to go places I don't usually go. And so, or places I've never been or, so yes, I love it when I watch a movie and it's in New York City. That's fun. I love, uh, okay, we're in London now. Great. But uh, one of the awesome parts about your book and about the podcast series that we're going to publish here very soon is we get to go at least briefly to your hometown. And so uh, not only right. are you a person of faith, not only did you grow up as somebody embedded in, in certain kinds of churches, uh, but you do so not from uh, a place that many people may visit very often, whether physically or virtually. So where do you come from and how does that play into the story? Yeah, so I grew up in a, a small rural kind of farming manufacturing community in northern Indiana. Um, so like Literally over the last 80 years, the population has hovered between like 1,500 and 2,000 people. Like it just has not grown that much, hasn't shrunk that much. It's just there. And in this community, it is pretty um, homogenous, you know, demographically and then religiously as well. There's just not a lot of variation. Like if we're talking about diversity, it's like, well, are you Baptist or the missionary church or Lutheran? Some brand of conservative Protestant Christianity, that's about it. And so, you know, in this community, um, and I don't want to like say, oh, we all need to get back to how rural communities work because I, I think that is, you know, not, not true. But in this community, my experiences growing up, it was a caring place, right? I was cared for, you know, a rough kind of childhood, junior high, senior year, senior high years for me in my home. So church was a place where I felt safe. Um, and I appreciated that and was, you know, taught the Bible and taught to love Jesus and these different values. But then what I started to realize was these folks really cared for me. But when we took that, those values and looked at folks outside of kind of our particular group, it seems like then they got put in the backseat. And that's what I didn't understand. And I think for a lot of folks who grew up in a conservative Christian area and, or, you know, churches, um, this is what we've been wrestling with over the last couple of decades is like, why don't these values now apply to these other groups, whether it's religious, racial, gender, sexual minorities. Um, and so that's a part of, of my personal faith journey. But yeah, in this small town, you worship beside the people that teach you and do your electric, you know, electrician work and all these other things. And so it's very kind of embedded. Um, and so, yeah, as I started to move beyond those and start to see the, the cracks in the worldview that I was handed, then it was starting to try to make sense of, well, what does this mean in this larger, you know, larger group that I'm a part of, right? In this nation or even globally and trying to make sense of my faith, citizenship, all of those things um, with that. So I want to ask you uh, one more question about growing up there, but I want to ask you a serious yeah. question before I... Um ask you a non-serious question. So uh, last serious question is, yeah, is it fair to say that for you to remain a Christian, you had to leave Christian nationalism behind? Yeah, I think that really is the crux of it, um, is that for me and, and others, so as I was 
reading folks and and hearing their stories, especially of those that have been marginalized by white evangelical Christianity. So as a white Protestant man, um, you know, this country has been built for folks like me, right? Doors opened and I didn't even know doors were there. They were just open. And so starting to be able to recognize that was, was helpful. And in many ways, listening to the voices and reading the books and um, hearing these stories of folks where they had different experiences, that's where it really started to show me that this gospel that I was handed, this, this form of Christianity I was handed, wasn't good news for them, right? And so there's a problem. Like that is a problem that has to be remedied if, if I want to you know, continue to put my faith in this story and be willing to be wrong about it, right? It's, it's a big deal. And so that was where I had to really start wrestling with that and, and, and listening to and following the guidance of these groups who have maintained this faith in the midst of oppression, in the midst of being marginalized. And that's not something I've ever really experienced. And so that was really part of that journey. Um, and Christian nationalism is wrapped up with power um, and self-interested power to benefit the in-group and fear and th threat from these out-groups and then, you know, moving towards violence towards those groups. And so all that I had to set aside if I wanted to follow what I found was a beautiful representation of the Christian faith where it is used to love and serve and overturn systems of oppression, things like that. Um, and, and real quick, the last thing too is, you know, I have three kids and my oldest and youngest have severe intellectual disabilities. And it was my experience of just being near them and recognizing their marginalization that again, I'd never experienced personally. That was a part of that journey too, where I was like, this faith I was handed, this kind of victorious, always winning type of faith where, yeah, you have dark moments, but then you, you know, you're going to conquer. I was like, that doesn't resonate with my experience right now. And I need to look elsewhere. And so all of that was kind of wrapped up in this journey. Well, and you, you really outline in the book and in the podcast series, the idols that you think Christian nationalism uh, worships, uh, you know, fear, yeah. power, violence. And so, uh, you know, to hear you talk about it makes a lot of sense. You also just asked a question I think would be a great question for everyone who identifies as a Christian to answer which, or ask themselves, which is, who uh, hears the good news and receives it not as good news? You know, for whom is the good news not good? And if, yeah, and, yeah. and if if I ask that question, it helps me understand how my faith and my Christianity may be uh, having at, at least blind spots and at worst, you know, idols that you you discuss at length in the book. So, um, yeah. all right. So you grew up in a really small town and then you went to Purdue. <laughs> uh, a lot of people yeah. listening and watching know Andrew Whitehead, world-renowned sociologist, author of Taking America Back for God. You and Sam Perry uh, are like out here uh, doing this work that is essential for understanding Christian nationalism. You're a really big deal. But you went from like a, a town with two and a half stoplights to Purdue. I went from my hometown right. to Oxford. When I got to Oxford, like on one of the first days in the dining hall, they served moussaka which I was like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what this is, but I'm hungry. So let's eat it. And I'm going to pretend like I've had this before because everyone else seems to know what this is. So uh, when you got to Purdue, what's one thing yeah. that happened where you're like, well, I'm not home anymore. I'm at Purdue and this is, this is a new thing. I'll have to learn how you do this. Yeah. Well, it's so funny you asked that because, you know, as I was thinking of it as a, 
a high school senior going to Purdue, I was like, I am going away to college because it was like two hours away rather than 30 minutes away in South Bend or wherever else. Um, and so that was really funny to look back because it's still in Indiana. It's still pretty agriculturally bound and like, you know, it's not a totally diverse, but it's more diverse at Purdue than Indiana generally. So um, it is funny. You know, I think a lot of it there um, at Purdue were, you know, courses where I was able to um, both in sociology, but then history courses that I would take, whereas just engaging with, you know, learning about the kind of ancient history of, of Christianity, right? The first 150, 200, 300 years um, and wrestling with that or learning U.S. history from colonial period up through Reconstruction. Um, and then seeing kind of these threads throughout, just understanding like where we are now and the context that surrounds us, um, how history has played a role in that. And I think in, in my work as a sociologist, really being able to gather data and understand where we are now, historians and good history have been so important, right, to set the context and understanding of why do we see what we see right now. And I think it pairs so well then where sociology can then say, hey, this history that we're, you know, documenting here's what it means for us today, right? We can make it kind of come alive. This is still with us, right? The famous quote of Faulkner, I'm gonna get it wrong, maybe you know it, but like, you know, history isn't even past, right? It's like, it's all around us, we're living in it. Um, and so I think those were the moments where, you know, two in particular, where I'm in a, a history class with a, a renowned, you know, scholar of the founding period in religion. And he's like, hey, the founding fathers were mostly deists, they certainly weren't evangelical Christians. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that helps things click in this place, right? Or um, another one was, you know, learning about um, Constantine and the vision he saw and sitting there as like a good evangelical and being like, okay, so he saw this light and this shield and God was speaking to him. And then they like went to war and they were just, you know, we grew up hearing about Christians being killed by yeah. Romans and all these things. Like, so now God would, would want to support. So, you know, just, it's kind of silly maybe to look back, but I, I don't, you know, look too down on my past self because I didn't know yeah. any better, right? What I was handed is where I, where I was, but it seems naive to think about now, but those were real moments where it was like, okay, I have to think about this. And I never had to before. So those were the times that really come to yeah. mind, you know, once I went away to college. Well, you have much more dignity than me because I asked you a non-serious question. You gave a really thoughtful uh, answer full of uh, insight <laughs> into how you've arrived where today. I thought you were going to tell me that, you know, you tried hummus for the first time at the dining hall or, uh, you know, whatever. Clove cigarettes. Clove cigarettes. Were, there it is. Yeah, okay. Now, was, now we're getting the real, now we've got it. Yeah, that was, that was. We're getting the, we're getting the, the sorted. <laughs> you need dirt. I'll the sorted past of Andrew Whitehead. All right. Now I've accomplished my goal. Now I can sign off the interview. Okay. Well, friends, uh, here's the thing. In a couple days, uh, you're going to have a chance to listen to the first episode of American Idols. We're going to play the trailer here for you so you can listen if you haven't already. It's an amazing series. It includes cameos from Andrew's co-author, Sam Perry, Anthea Butler, Jamar Tisby, Robert Jones, Andrew Seidel, uh, so many others, so many other folks that you've probably are familiar with. And if you haven't already, you should go buy American Idolatry, which is right over my shoulder. It's out now from Brazos Press, and we'll really give you some amazing insight into how Andrew, someone who's been studying these things for a long time, but has been practicing Christianity 
for much longer uh, understands his own faith journey and the threats that Christian nationalism poses to not only the American democracy, but also the American church. Right. What are the best places for people to link up with you as they listen and read and uh, want to connect with your ongoing work and other stuff you're up to? Yeah, so I am still on uh, the platform, Twitter, whatever it's called <laughs> um, for now. I'm planning an exit strategy. It's just getting really gross there. Um, and so basically due to Elon. But, you know, I just started a Substack, and so it's American idolatry. So people could hopefully find me. Um, I, I hope to transition more to that and just go a little bit deeper, have more conversation, those types of things. I'm also on Instagram and, and Facebook, so the social media sites. Um, but yeah, that's the best place to kind of keep track. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to the podcast. And um, to my, I mean, obviously I'm a vested, I have a vested interest in in the podcast, but I listened to the first episode that Brad and Scott put together and it's, it's really wonderful. So I'm, I'm so excited to share that with yeah, everybody. No, we are too. And um, anyway, all right, guys, I uh, want to thank everyone for listening and for watching. We'll be back later with that's in the code with the weekly roundup and everything we're doing, but look out for American idols. And if you haven't heard already, go to accessmundi.us for information on the brand new network we've just launched. Axis Mundi.